We are getting ready to go to Uganda in, uh, wow, in like a week from today, right after worship. And so I think before I go, because there are some staff that are going to be able to go this year, which is really cool, but there's some staff that are not. I should, I should do something nice for the staff that are not going to be able to go. I have an idea. Uh, instead of a long, boring staff meeting, I'll... I'll have a lunch for them at my house because I don't want to really be inconvenienced and it's easier if it's at my house. I bought a bunch of peanut butter at Sam's to take with me because I don't really like the food in Uganda. And so I take a little snack and I can have everybody like, okay, I'll I'll have it on a on a banquet table and we'll set a tablecloth and I'll make it look really nice. I'll make sweet tea, but I'll serve paper plates and they can all have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich compliments of Andrea before we go to Uganda. Or I could take them to lunch. Okay, so that would probably be a nicer gesture to actually take them to a restaurant. I live in Denver. I still don't want to be that inconvenienced. And so... There's a few restaurants in Denver. Um, Hooters is probably not close to Denver, and there are some female staff that would not appreciate Hooters. Uh, I could let the male staff go there, but I wanted us to all have some team bonding moments, so I know what Taco Bell. Taco Bell has some gorditas, and there are only like eight or nine of the staff that I have to pay for, so nine times two, 250, 20 bucks. I need to keep it under 20 bucks. I think that would be, that would be generous. Uh, it's cheap. It's cheap. That would be cheap. I don't need to be cheap for the staff. Okay. I tell you what, there is a, like a strip mall there in Denver on highway 16 and I will not that kind of strip mall and I will take them. I'll take them there and then we will decide where to go. That's a good idea. Well, so there's Mazeltan, the Mexican restaurant. There is Pomodoro's. I love Pomodoro's. Um, that's a nice place, and it looks nice inside. And then there's that like cheap deli there at the end. I, I think that would be good. That's still, that's still reasonably priced. Okay, we'll go to Pomodoro's. All right, that, that would make me look generous. Okay. I'm here early, actually, so that's a good thing that shows that I respect their time. Oh, my gosh. I cannot believe that I see that lady in the car next to mine throwing out her trash in the parking lot. Oh, my. Like, is this clean out your car day in the middle of the parking lot? Her cigarette butts, you know, put them in the trash can. She's going in the restaurant, at the end, she's going to the cheap place. I could go pick up the trash because we believe in taking care of God's creation. That's what I'll do. I'll go, I'll go pick up the trash. But you know what? I really get tired of people littering. There is a trash can right 10 feet from her car. I'm not putting the trash in the trash can. You know what? She should not litter. Not only did she like clean out her car, she put her cigarette butts there. I know what I'm going to do. 
I'm going to go pick it up myself, and I'm going to put it on the hood of her car. I am going to gather it all together, even the cigarette butt, and I'm going to take the cigarette butt, and you know how you can peel your windshield wipers up, you can like, you know, lift them up. I'm going to put it up, and I'm going to put the cigarette butt there in her windshield wiper. Let me make sure she's not sitting near the window at the deli place at the end. I don't see her down there. Okay, good. And so I'm going to put the trash in her, in her, on her hood. And there we go. That is my justice for the day. So for the next three weeks here at West, we are going to talk about the struggle between good and evil. My name's Andrea Smith. I'm the pastor here. And if you're worshiping with us here in person, we welcome you. If you're new to West, we invite you to visit our First Impressions tent, and we have a free gift for you. And if you're worshiping with us online this morning, we extend a very special and warm welcome to you. We are going to talk about the struggle between good and evil and talk about whether or not we believe that evil exists. That's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at scriptural example of our understanding of evil and how we can understand it. Next week, we're going to talk about Satan or the devil. And we're going to look at lots of different scriptural examples and, and hopefully have a perspective when we leave of what Satan is and means. And then the third Sunday in this series, Reverend Amy Coles, who is, I call her the vice bishop, the assistant to the bishop, and my my mentor, she will be preaching uh, as we are in Uganda on that Sunday. So please, just because I'm not here and the Uganda mission team is not here, please come to worship. Uh, Amy is a phenomenal, phenomenal preacher, better than me actually. And so you will leave uh, feeling blessed as we bring a close to the series, Battling Good Versus Evil. I think probably we all, you know, already know that evil exists in this world. If you turn on the news, you can see reports of, of mass shootings far too often or bombings that are occurring. And that is just one example that evil exists. I want us to talk about what that is. What is evil really? Morgan Freeman recently documented this new series that's going on on National Geographic. Have any of you seen that? It's called The Story of God. Will you clap? I, I wouldn't expect you to see it. Um, it was not advertised, you know, not, you know, like we'll 
publicize keeping up with the Kardashians, but we don't, you know, publicize the story of God. It is a phenomenal, phenomenal miniseries. And he struggles and wrestles with these topics that we talk about as followers of Christ from Christianity. And one of the topics that he dealt with was evil. And so he's going all over the globe interviewing people about what these topics and terms mean. I want you to take a look at this video clip in just a second and see what all these different perspectives are from all over the globe and from other world religions and from people who say they don't have a faith at all. Take a look and listen to what they say about the presence of evil. Where do I believe evil came from? That's a really hard question. Evil comes from humans and selfishness. Evil comes from fear. Mostly it comes from fear. Evil comes from within ourselves and also money, especially greed. I think evil is an idea. I don't know where evil comes from. I suppose it's where good comes from. I believe that there's opposition in all things, so I believe that when God created good, evil was also a part of that. It started back in the day when the devil thought that he was going to take over heaven. And then evil began to develop on earth. Evil comes from misunderstanding and chaos and entropy, which are things that are rooted in the universe itself. I don't think evil exists. I don't think there is such thing as pure evil. So what do you think about the presence of evil? Do you believe that it exists? Have you ever felt like that uh, little analogy or parody that I had earlier with good on one side and evil on the other and their voices and a pull uh, going into us and causing us to think about things differently? We do believe that evil exists. We believe that good, God, God is good, God is love. We believe that there is a force, a power in this world that is bigger than ourselves and, and it's beyond anything that words could describe or imagine. That is God. God revealed God's self to us through the person of Jesus Christ because people were having a, a difficult time understanding this monotheistic God, the one God versus the poly gods that they had grown up with, like with Hinduism and the other world religions, when the Israelites followed Father Abraham, who gave birth to Judaism, which ended up then giving birth to Christianity. So we have believed as a worshiper of God, of Yahweh, that evil does exist. And, and the reason that we believe that is in the book of Genesis, there is a story that gives us a picture of good versus evil. And that's a story that I want us to look at this morning for just a few minutes. Perhaps it is a story that you have heard before. And 
Right now, we are closing up a nine-month time that we've been spending with the Confirmands. Those are teenagers, young adults that are growing in their faith and they're exploring their faith. And they, in November, will join the church and profess their faith. A few months ago, I realized that I was absolutely boring them to tears and that I had lost them. And I said, okay, tell me, tell me what's wrong. Tell me why this is so boring for you. And then they began confessing some things to me. And they were saying, you know, I just don't know. I don't know that I believe this. And we were still in Genesis. We were still in the creation story. And I'm like, okay, this is, this is where it's a little easy to believe. Um, tell, me, tell me what you are struggling with. And they said, well, you know, you can't believe science and religion. And I said, why not? And they said, well, that's just what we've always thought, you know, that, you know, it happened in six days, literally, and then, you know, God rested and God created two people, Adam and Eve. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. So the way that United Methodists look at it is that this is a depiction of creation. We do not believe that you cannot marry religion and science. We believe that the two do go together, and it's fascinating the more that science discovers and figures out. I mean, that's just that much more beautiful. It's not, it's not an a barrier to believing in God. And so I had them read both creation stories. We're familiar with one. We sort of skim over the second or try to merge the two together in one. Genesis in the first two chapters gives us two very clear and distinct creation stories. In one, it's all of all of creation and the sun and the moon and the sky and the waters of the deep and God speaks order into chaos. And then the second chapter is like a, a Cliff Notes version. And, but it gives more of a description of how God creates man. And Adam, the word Adam, the name madam means mankind. So I told the confirmands, I said, you know, look, don't look at this story as just God created one man and God created one woman and all of humanity came from that one man and that one woman and they're like oh I've always wondered where everybody else came from you know uh, did they did they have relations with their mom because that's gross and I'm like yes it is and so we started grasping this concept that Genesis is not ancient history we do not read the book of Genesis trying to see it as a history book it is a picture for us of of the greatness the vastness of God so with that in mind with that background going on I want you to take a look at, and take a listen to the third chapter of Genesis this is after mankind has been created they are in the garden of Eden and that is a place that phrase means a place of perfection. So listen to these words about what happens in Genesis chapter 3, and the title is Knowledge, Not Eternal Life. The snake was the most intelligent of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. The snake said to the woman, did God really say that you shouldn't eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the snake, we may eat the fruit of the garden's trees, but not the fruit of the tree in the middle 
of the garden. So basically, there's just one tree they're not supposed to eat from. God said, don't eat from it and don't touch it or you will die. The snake said to the woman, you will not die. God knows that on the day you eat from it, you will see clearly and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So the woman looks at the tree. The woman saw that the tree was beautiful. It had delicious food on it and that the tree would provide wisdom. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then they both saw clearly and they knew that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made garments for themselves. So what if for just a few minutes we do not look at that story literally? What if we look at that story figuratively? And what if we use it as a mirror for ourselves and our own souls? We use the story of the woman of Eve with the snake, the most intelligent of all creatures that had been, you know, created by God. And what if we, we put ourselves in the story and see what we can take away from it instead of just thinking this is a literal thing that happened? What would happen if we do that? Okay, so you heard the funny little skit at the beginning, I hope it was funny, of the staff meeting and you know doing something nice for them because some of us are going to Uganda and some aren't. That's not a false story. I wanted to give us an example of how we all do and experience just what Eve did in that story. Now, we may not see a snake, you know, slithering around to us and speaking to us, but we do have, I believe, thoughts and nudges and, and voices that pull at us two different ways. That's one of the things that I've been trying to get the confirmants to understand, that this good versus evil, this God versus Satan is this presence in our universe that there is good and then there is the opposite of good which is evil and we all battle that every single day I was thinking about taking the staff to lunch ended up actually reaching out to one of the staff members that I knew had some had a lot on their plate and I wanted to do something nice for them that was not tied to their job so I sent them a text one day and I said hey uh, I know you're working from home today can I take you to lunch and they were like oh yeah that's so nice you know so okay that's the good part of the story and other than paying for her lunch, that's really the only good in the story. I am sharing with you that I do have an evil dark side and I can be mean. Can you? Do we all do mean things? So we get there and I am a stickler about littering. You know, there are trash cans everywhere and somebody has to pick up trash that we throw down. And I just believe out of respect for one another, respect for God's creation, respect for humanity, if I've got trash, I need to put it in the trash can. So when I see people intentionally litter, it drives me nuts. 
So true story, I'm sitting there in the parking lot there at this little strip mall business complex in Denver. And literally, there were three restaurants there, and I was planning on taking the staff person to Pomodoro's as a nice treat, and I like Pomodoro's, so there you go. That's a little smudge of evil in there. There was a little self-gain in this, and so we're sitting there, or I'm sitting there, and I noticed this woman you know, in her cart literally... I'm not being funny, cleaning out her car. It started with a slight roll down of the window and and the flick of the cigarette butt over the window. And then I'm like, okay, you know, I mean, it does make my head twitch a little. And then her door opens and I watch her walk or look around to see if anybody was watching. And then literally she cleaned out her car. Now, I did think briefly about going and saying, ma'am, There's a trash can, 10 feet right there. But I also realized we live in an age of concealed and carry. And I did not think that I needed to assert myself to be the litter police. So I decided that I would not address it. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to go pick up the trash. That is really what I thought for about five seconds. And then I'm embarrassed to tell you that I did do exactly what I said I was going to do. I went and picked up her trash, but I did not throw it in the trash can. I gathered it all together, and I went, and I placed it on the hood up at the front of her car. No, 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 do not clap. That is ugly and evil. That's evil. I should have thrown it away. And here's why I know that. As soon as I placed it there, and I did not move her windshield wiper, frankly, because I was scared somebody else would see me doing this to her car. And I did check the window to see where the lady was sitting. This this is calculated going on in my brain. And so... I put it all there and I turn around and I'm feeling all inside because I know in my gut I should have just thrown the trash away. I am not going to prove a point by putting the trash on her hood. And no lie, there had not been any wind blowing. As soon as I turned around, this gush of wind goes whoosh and all the trash blew to me. I bent over, I picked up the trash, I threw it away. Now, I go on to lunch. I'm too embarrassed to tell the staff person what I did, even though I felt like I should be having a confessional moment. You want to know the real irony of this story? So the booth we sat in, guess who was sitting right behind us? They had ended up going to the Mexican restaurant, not the cheap deli at the end. And the even bigger part to the story, when she and her companion, her lunch companion paid, after they paid, they walked over to our booth and engaged in a one-on-one dialogue with the staff person that I had taken to lunch. They've known each other for years. In fact, are are distantly related by marriage. I just thought, okay, yeah, whole. We all 
have those voices in our head that, that pull at us, that tug at us. That is evil. And sometimes we spend too much time worrying about the evil that other people do, and, and we forget to look deep within ourselves. That's the story of Eve. She's in the garden and she sees the snake and the snake tempts her with something that she did not have. You know, she has all these other, other fruit trees and, you know, we don't read that they're experiencing great hunger. Hunger was not an issue. She had everything she could possibly need, but the snake tempts her with having something that she, with something that she did not have, you know, ultimate wisdom. And so she goes up to the tree. If you read the passage carefully, she goes up to it and looks at it and then makes the decision. So that evil pulls at her. She goes and, and stands right in front of it. And it is in that moment that she makes the decision to take the fruit and eat of it. So she gives in to this temptation to do something that she knew was wrong. So when do we face temptations like that? I want us to think about the definition of evil. There's, there's like degrees of evil that exist in our world, our universe. So the definition of e evil is when we do something bad that we know is wrong. Evil is when we do something bad that we know is wrong. We know it. Like, I knew, this is why I knew that the trash thing scenario was evil. I knew not to do that. I mean, I think you could probably get arrested or something for messing with other people's property. I think that's probably against the law. I should have just thrown the trash away. But no, I wanted to prove a point. You know, Andrea, the, the humanitarian police. And I wanted to, to show her that her, her actions were wrong. That was evil. I knew. I knew I didn't need to mess with her car. Now, if I wanted to be good, I could have had a conversation with her and said, you know, ma'am, why don't you just use the trash can? But that was not the right thing to do in that situation. So probably I should have just let it teach me a lesson to be more careful about my own litter. And maybe I should recycle more instead of being lazy. Evil is when we know that something is wrong and we do it anyway. I use the trash example because it's basically innocent. But there are much more, more deep and real examples that probably we could all use. So that's one degree of evil. We do something and we know that it's wrong. The second degree of evil is when we know that something is wrong and we know that something will bring harm to someone else and we do it. So we do that which we know is wrong and we know that it's going to hurt the other person and we do it anyway. That's the second degree of evil. And then the third degree of evil is sadly what we see so often in our world right now. When we know something is wrong, we know that it's going to hurt other people and we do it on purpose. That is evil. When 9-11 happened, you know, some preachers said, you know, well, this is God, you know, punishing America for all the sin. No, 
That was an example of human evil. We know that something's wrong. We know that it's going to bring harm to somebody else, and we do it anyway. Those are the three different degrees of evil. Humanity's story in Genesis starts off with the tug between good and evil. How does it end? Well, we have this beautiful picture of one that came and walked on the earth and said, I am revealing God to you. Jesus said, I am the great I am. I am who I am created by God to show you the way the early followers of Jesus were called followers of the way. They weren't called Christians. They were called followers of the way. And the way Jesus said is, I am the way, the truth, and life. And if you live like me, if you follow me, then you will have life too. So what does that mean? It means we look at his actions. That's the bottom line. That's what Christianity is all about, recognizing that there is this tug between good and evil, and we choose good. We choose good just like Jesus chose good. He loved those that other people scorned. He went out of his way to give grace and bring healing and forgiveness and he taught people that, you know, the laws that are kept on paper are actually really written in our hearts. And so if you are in touch with who you are and what you believe, you will be able to grasp good over evil. And that's what he taught. That's what he did every step of the way. I want to show you a quote, a quote by a Russian gentleman Solzhenitsyn, he talked about the line between good and evil. There are a lot of clear thinkers everywhere. The battle line between good and evil runs through the heart of every man. We all have a battle line that runs through each of our hearts. It's not something we want to think about, but it's something we need to think about. What kind of place would our world be if every day Everyone would wake up and go, today I want to be good. Today I want to do good. Today I want to make a difference in this world and I want to show love to others. That, I think, is what being a part of a faith community is all about. We can come and we can sit here and we can talk about the warm, fuzzy stuff and God loves us. But at the end of the day, it requires action on our part. We don't get to just come here or watch online or listen online. And then, you know, once the magic hour is done, we go away and it's all good. I feel good about me and Jesus today. It requires action because we do have that line that tugs at each of us, the two different forces, and it's up to us to choose good. So how will you choose good this week? What will you do that is different there is that temptation, and that's what we're going to talk about next week, the presence of Satan in the world and that there are evil forces that are embodied in, in different ways. We're going to look at examples of that. But today, as we end, we're going to do a little bit of a, of a different ending to worship. We have hospitality out there, but we wanted to provide you with an opportunity to go and do something good 
We always share with the teachers of Lake Norman High School. Twice a year, we tell them thank you. Now we use more of their classrooms than ever because our children's ministries have expanded. So we use like six or seven classrooms. And I'm sure we never leave them the same every Sunday. So as you leave, there are two options for you. It's like a no huddles day where we break out of the holy Christian huddle and we go do something. It's a no huddles day on your own. We're asking for about 10 or 15, 20 minutes of your time. There are two things you can do. There are gifts that we're going to give the the high school that represents the new ministry that we're doing with Faith and St. Paul called Common Ground. You can stuff the mugs with things that the missions team has provided. And then we're going to give every teacher here at Lake Norman a gift. Or there are grocery bags out there that have treats in them. I'll show you one during the benediction. And we're asking you to do something that might make us a little uncomfortable, but I'm asking you to do it anyway. Jesus was uncomfortable a lot. It's reverse trunk or treat. On October 30th, we are going to have trunk or treat like we always do at West And everybody, you dress up your trunks. And for the past several years, we've had it for ourselves. And we've used it as an evangelism opportunity. Bring your friends. Kids can bring their friends. And, you know, we park our trunks out here in the high school. But our missions team is on it this year and really nailing down some opportunities. And so we are going to partner with Faith and St. Paul and have Trunk or Treat in downtown Mooresville on Patterson Avenue. We invite you to bring your trunks. You don't have to have kids. You don't have to dress up your trunk if you do not want to, because if you're like me, you are challenged when it comes to cute and fun things like that. But bring your trunk and bring some candy. But we're going to advertise that we're having this because we want that community that has for many, many years not had a connection to the church there because the church has been on decline. We are helping try to give rebirth to the fact that Christians do kind things. We're going to do a reverse trunk or treat. I invite you to grab two or three of your friends, grab a bag from the table that is outside, and then you don't have to knock on any door. You don't have to talk to anybody. Just go lay it on the doorstep and walk away. There are bags with six different individual treat bags You can hit six houses or you can go to 20 with a group of your friends. The missions team is represented outside and they will help you. Why am I doing that? Not so we can pat ourselves on the back. And actually, I'm not doing it. It was the vision of the missions team. It's so we can show people that during the magic worship hour on Sunday mornings, we're willing to go outside of our comfort zone and outside of what is easy and share with others. That's what Jesus did. So either make some treats for the Lake Norman teachers, or would you be willing to go take a few bags and just lay them on the doorstep so that folks can know that we are working together and we're crossing racial divide lines and we're gonna make a difference in this community. We all have that struggle and that pull in us that pulls between good and evil. This week... What if we wake up every morning and say to God, I choose good. Let us pray. 
Almighty God, in the history and the beginning of humanity, you show us that evil is real and there is always a struggle between good and evil. God, help us to recognize that each morning we have a fresh start and we can choose what is good. Help us to make those decisions. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.